0: You are tuned into The Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of The Dr. Tina Show, I'm going solo, and I'm gonna be sharing with you today all about safe sunning. I've gotten so many messages from all of you over the years, many years, actually, since I've been in the online space, asking me about safe sunning, is the sun safe? I talk about not fearing the sun. What about skin cancer? What about vitamin D? all the rest. We're going to cover it today in this episode. Let's jump in. So safe sunning is my favorite thing to do, probably in the entire world. I have never been afraid of the sun. I have always been a huge, huge, huge sun loving goddess. And I could say that I worship it. I have had some skin cancer issues, so I will qualify with that. Uh, I do not think it came from sun overexposure, and I'll explain a little bit more about that. But first off, a disclaimer, I am not your doctor. You all have different skin types. You all have different abilities to tan and to receive sun on your skin. And you all have different diets and health histories. What goes inside your body absolutely has everything to do with how your skin handles the sun and what you spray all over it, what you put on top of your Skin that can oxidize in the sun and be pro cancer causing, really. And we'll talk about that a little bit, particularly what it has to do with uh, sunblock, which is the biggest scam I have seen in my lifetime, aside from seed oils and the pharmaceutical industry's onslaught. So let's talk a little bit about the sun. The sun, of course, we find out after years of being told to cover up, we find out that the sun actually has some benefit. Duh, go figure. It's only the life giving source of the entire planet. But, you know, apparently that's something that was controversial. So I'm a 70s and 80s baby, and I remember the sun being vilified in my lifetime early on. I remember it started happening when I was living in Southern California, probably around seventh grade. I went to the dermatologist, and she told me that I had a rash from the sun. And that I had to stay out of the sun because the sun was going to give me skin cancer. And I thought that was the most ludicrous thing I'd ever heard in my life. And, you know, granted, I was 12. But I remember thinking, this is just ridiculous. Although I remember thinking that many, many times over the years as a young child when I went to the doctor's office. So <laughs> most doctors didn't seem to have a clue what they, the hell they were talking about in my eyes, but they, many still don't. Um, what happened was I had been on a at a summer camp and they had put some sunblock on me, which I'd never worn before, and it had PABA in it. And PABA can be very, very much an allergen for some people. So it was the PABA giving me the rash and the chemicals and the waterproof substance in the sunblock that had sort of culminated into a prickly heat rash. It wasn't the sun. But I got scared off from the sun. And at that time, I was not eating well, right? I was eating a lot of processed foods. I was eating a lot of corn chips and a lot of like artificial cheese. You know, I'd go to 7-Eleven and get those fake nachos. I love those things. Those were prevalent in Southern California, everywhere along the beach community. And we were just gobbling it up. Lots of frozen yogurt, which maybe was made with some kind of dairy at that time, but now is much more of a chemical concoction. And I just wasn't eating well. So yeah, I was having some issues apparently with the sunblock I got scared out of the sun for a good long time. I moved to Oregon a couple of years later as a teen, developed a very severe vitamin D deficiency, fell into a terrible depression. And it was not until years later when I was in naturopathic medical school and I was sitting in Grand Rounds and Dr. Alex Vasquez came to speak. And he at the time was a chiropractor and a naturopathic doctor. and. He started talking about the benefits of vitamin D, and this was years before it really caught on, and I thought, oh my gosh, this guy's onto something. This is the truth. This is really important, and at the time, vitamin D was what we were hearing was coming from the sun, unbeknownst to us, and I quickly dove into the research, and so I knew better, but the sun gives us a lot more than just vitamin D synthesis. The sun gives us infrared rays. It gives us so many wonderful wavelengths that we haven't even probably measured that creates so much health and abundance inside of our body, inside of our mitochondria. And I got to reading. I really started digging, got to reading. This was probably 2005, I want to say, 2004. And I started running around school telling everybody that would listen to me all the benefits of sun exposure. And there were several books that I read and several Uh, research articles that I dug up, but there wasn't a whole lot out there on the benefits of sun. Lots of things vilifying the sun. And I came to understand things a bit better at that time. And I began sharing about it. And much to the dismay of my colleagues, I took a lot of slack. As you can imagine, that's kind of the story of my life. I took a lot of slack talking about things years and years before it became popularized. One of the things I noticed that I was digging up was that some of the ingredients in sunblock the chemical ingredients were actually causing or potentiating skin cancer by way of oxidizing on the skin and being vitamin A derivatives that when the sun hits it, it oxidizes and might actually contribute to skin cancer. I was also finding some information here and there about the potential hormonal consequences of these ingredients, particularly on testosterone and what that might be doing to young boys. And I was finding information that was leading me to believe that the mitochondria in our bodies might be photosynthesizing, which was, I was looked at like I had two heads when I started talking about that. I remember the look on my colleague's face in class when I mentioned that, because we know that mitochondria photosynthesize in plants, so why not in humans, right? So I was like... I think we're photosynthesizing you guys. And yeah, that was I was I was laughed at. Although some people listen to me. Soon after getting out of school, a study came out, a Swedish study looking at women who sunbathed. And it was a large study, and it was done over many years, and they looked at women who sunbathed versus women who did not. And the women who sunbathed just had significantly better health, less risk of dying. Uh, We actually had data at the time of less risk of internal cancers from having adequate vitamin D at least, not necessarily from the sun, but vitamin D levels, adequate vitamin D levels being linked to lower rates of breast, prostate, and colon cancer, which are all three internal cancers that I do not want. And so, you know, this was all culminating for me into one big decision that I would rather be tan than dead of some kind of internal cancer that I can't see. I'd rather be plucking off the cancers on my skin that I might potentially gain than be dying of some kind of horrific hormone-driven cancer inside that I can't do anything about. So I say this all because... This is my disclaimer. You need to take your health into your hands. I am not your doctor. This is not medical advice. I'm just sharing information. If you go out and scorch yourself in the sun and give yourself skin cancer, that is not on me. That is on you. And it has to do with many, many, many variables, some of which I've just mentioned. So talk to your doctor. Your doctor's probably going to tell you to stay out of the sun unless you have a cool functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor that understands this. But I'm just going to give you some information today that might help you make better decisions about it. So... Without getting into a whole big discussion about skin cancer, I do want to start off with some information so that you are armed with this knowledge. So I have had basal cell carcinoma taken off my body in a few places. Um, But interestingly, my dermatologist removed it from a place where the sun doesn't shine and she did not believe it was caused by the sun. She thought it was actually some kind of genetic situation, which actually after researching it is not a good sign. It might be coming from something else, but... She did not think it was from the sun. Now, there's different types of basal cell carcinoma. And just know this, they're very, very, very common. These are the types that you'll see taken off of people's face and skin and head. Um, Relatively common, also tends not to metastasize. These are very superficial cancers, meaning they stay on that upper level of the first few layers of skin. They don't tend to go deep they tend to stay horizontal. Not They don't go vertical into the body as much. Statistics say less than one-tenth of one percent actually go metastatic. So these are not terribly dangerous cancers, although much more common and very readily treated. It's not okay to leave them untreated or to let them all behave in any way that they want, but just know that these are not terribly dangerous cancers for the most part. Yes, you can Google basal cell carcinoma and find horror stories and see terrible pictures of people who let them go way too far. And once they start, they can actually grow somewhat rapidly, but they're visual. You can see them, you go get them cut out. They show up in areas of higher sun exposure for sure. They can be burned off or frozen off or excised. They grow horizontal on the skin, meaning they stay in those upper layers. The next type of skin cancer that is common is called squamous cell carcinoma. These often start out as what's known as an actinic keratosis, and these actinic keratoses look very similar to basal cell carcinomas to the untrained eye. So it's hard to differentiate. Now, I'll say that squamous cell carcinomas, about 12% of them can metastasize. So we want to make sure that we get anything that looks weird on our skin handled if you get my drift. These can go vertical and horizontal in the skin, meaning they can go deep and they can also metastasize. When they're in the actinic keratosis state, they're so benign they're sort of considered a pre-cancer that many insurances won't even cover them to be removed because they may or may not be cosmetic. So this is the game we play, right? So this is why I'm giving you this information so that you can make your own informed consent. And it comes down to your risk tolerance. But of course, anytime something is on your skin and it feels weird, it's roughened, maybe it's bleeding, um, it's not, it wasn't there before. Especially if you're aging, go get it taken off. Go get it handled. They can be burned or cryo frozen off. Most 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 often, especially if they're in the actinic keratosis state, but do know that a squamous cell carcinoma is a bit more concerning than a basal cell carcinoma and to the untrained eye can be very difficult to differentiate. And again, sun exposure is the main culprit and they tend to be uh, showing up in places of high skin or I'm sorry, high sun exposure. And then there's melanoma. Now this is the big scary, right? This is the one that we don't want. These metastasize, these go deep. They go vertical into the skin. They can turn into other type, or they can metastasize throughout the body. They can kill you. This can be a problem. Um, They also show up in weird places. And they show up often in places that maybe the sun doesn't shine so much. So there is some speculation. And I've talked to several dermatology friends who've told me that they were not convinced that melanomas were necessarily from sun exposure. Now, the perfect storm of somebody having a crappy diet, smoking, drinking, um, stress, what have you, all culminating into sun exposure, potentiating some cancerous cells, it's easy to blame the sun, but you know, as everybody loves to argue, correlation is not causation. So maybe melanomas might be coming from an internal cancer that is expressing outwardly. It might be coming uh, as they sometimes pop up after a trauma or a very emotional event or an illness. So melanomas are funky and the literature on them is sort of all over the place, but they are weird. We don't like them. Sometimes a mole can turn into a melanoma. So any skin lesion, remember your ABCDs, asymmetry meaning that one half of the mold doesn't match the other. They're not perfectly symmetrical. The border, that's the B, look for irregularity and changing of the border. C is color. It's not uniform or the color is changing. And D, diameter, greater than six millimeters, which is the size of a pencil eraser or it's growing. Also, if it's bleeding, anything that you have on your skin that becomes friable, the term friable means you touch it or you scratch it, it bleeds. That is a sure sign. And sometimes you'll see these little telangiectasias in there or little like capillaries. and that's not necessarily in a mole. That could just be in the basal cell or the squamous cell. That's how my basal cell started out. It started out as sort of like us. It started actually as a skin tag. And then it got uh, abrazed by an exfoliation that I had done at a spa. And then it, it the skin tag fell off and the little wound underneath refused to heal. And so it went. And it was very simple to have removed and not a huge deal, right? I mean, the the... Treatment for it was moles. They did a little Mohs surgery, removed it, not a big deal. So, so here's how the skin works. You have specialized skin cells called melanocytes and they get stimulated when UVB, B as a boy, rays from the sun hit them. So when UVB rays hit your melanocytes, they get stimulated. This tells them to wake up and turn on. And this is basically what causes the color of a tan to develop. So UVB induces tanning. UVB also induces vitamin D synthesis. So it turns the cholesterol on your skin into vitamin D. This is very important. UVB is a very important ray. We need it to make vitamin D and induce vitamin D synthesis from the cholesterol on our skin. We also need to be eating cholesterol. And we need our cholesterol to be healthy. We need the fats that we're eating to be healthy so that we have healthy cholesterol, so that vitamin D is synthesized when UVB hits our skin. These rays are most potent between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. This is prime tanning hours. It's funny, though, you've probably been told to stay out of the sun from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., right? High noon, stay out of the sun. That's actually when U.V.B. is its most potent. So I'm going to tell you a little bit different way to do things and how I do things. Um, Again, this is not medical advice. You do what you need to do, but I'm going to teach you what I do in that I don't let myself burn. I'm very careful, and I'm going to tell you how. Remember, I grew up before sunblock, so I know how to do this, and so do many other people who... Think about it logically, right? And it'll make a lot more sense when I get there. But these are also prime burning hours. And we don't want to burn our skin ever because, of course, burns do lead to an increased incidence of melanoma. I'll also say tanning beds. I get a lot of questions about tanning beds. I'm not interested in discussing them. I think they're dangerous. I didn't used to think they're dangerous. I do think they're dangerous. I understand. It's unfortunate. If you live in Oregon like I do where it rains for nine months out of the year, I literally just go to the sun three times a year. I understand not everybody can do that. I understand not everyone has the financial means to get into the sun a few times a year, but I'm just telling you, I don't have a, there is no other solution. I do not trust tanning beds. You can do with them what you want, uh, but I think that they're artificial. I don't think that they get the rays balanced. I don't think we get all the benefits that we would get from the sun in the tanning bed bulbs. They're too close to the skin. There's just a lot of reasons I don't love tanning beds, so... You can do whatever you want and people always want me to have some other solution for them. Well, if I don't do tanning beds and I don't go out in the sun because I don't live somewhere where it's sunny, what do I do? I have no clue what to tell you. I just go to the sun. I make sure that my life is conducive to me going to the sun three times a year. And it's something I've done when I didn't have any money and I I made it happen because it's that important to me that I keep my tan somewhat intact all year round because that's how I keep myself healthy. That's how I mitigate my autoimmune disease. That's how I mitigate my immune system. And to me, it's really, really critical. So UVA, let's talk about A-rays for a minute. A is an apple. They show up in the early morning and the later afternoon. They take the activated melanocyte that was activated by the UVB and they tell it to go. So this is the one-two punch of UVB and UVA that really gives your skin a pop. So the melanocyte turns on with the UVB and the UVA is what induces the tan. So you maybe have heard of the high-pressure tanning beds that are all UVA. Those are super, super, super dangerous because all they're doing is blasting your melanocytes, but melanocytes are also what turn into melanoma. So we don't want to just hit with UVA rays. In fact, I would say UVA rays uh, are, I, I personally stay out of the sun during the times when UVA is highest. I might go for an early morning walk to set my circadian rhythm, but I don't spend a lot of time lollygagging around with UVA. Now, UVA is also the ray that's been shown to induce skin cancer and lab testing like I said, melanoma most specifically. So they exposed little pink rats to tons of UVA minus the UVB. They took the UVB out so that they couldn't tan and protect themselves. And guess what? They developed melanoma. And guess what they've been doing to all of us since the 80s when they introduced sunblock? Sunblock, up until recent years, was designed to block only UVB rays because they thought UVB was the culprit. So they took all of our ability, they, they had to slather ourselves in toxic chemicals that have a whole host of health issues associated with them, especially at this point we have the data. And they stopped, they convinced everybody that it was safe to go out in the sun for unlimited amounts of time No shade, no hats, just go out in the sun and bake with this sunblock on and you'll be protected. But all they were doing was taking our ability to tan away. They were taking our ability to make vitamin D away and they were exposing us, we were exposing ourselves, I should say, to high doses of UVA with no UVB to protect us, assuming we were doing the right thing. And we wonder why rates of skin cancer are exploding. That's not the only reason. I think our dietary choices, toxicity level in the environment, and, you know, just overall, people take piss poor care of themselves these days. I think that's probably got a lot to do with the skin cancer rates as well. But that's beside the point. So let's talk about sunscreens for a minute. There are different types. There's mechanical versus chemical. The chemical ones are androgen blocking, meaning they block your testosterone. They oxidize on the skin. The retinols in the, in the chemical sunblocks oxidize. And they are made up of retinol, some of them. The mechanical, like the zinc oxides and the titanium, those can be nanoparticles. Nanoparticles can get into your body. We do not necessarily want heavy metals in our body. We don't want them on our reefs. So you want to look for a reef safe sunblock if you're going to use mechanical, which is definitely what I would use if you're going to use a sunblock. I would not be using chemical sunblocks ever again. Particularly, please don't do it on your children. When I'm watching, when I knew what they did to androgens, i.e. testosterone, and I go somewhere and I'm sitting there watching a mom spray the crap out of her little boys from head to toe and then releasing them into the sun for hours on end, I'm just like... Oh my god. <laughs> like that's literally what goes through my head is like, "Oh my god, this is a nightmare." She has no idea what she's doing to those poor boys. So for the longest time again, the UVB only was blocked by these sunblocks. So it took vitamin D production out of the picture and it blasted people with UVA only. But that's changed. So some of these chemicals are now covering you so are having that UVA coverage as well. Again, I don't like the chemicals. The, me- the mechanical, the titanium and zinc oxides, those are going to cover you. you. Those are going to block everything. And so they do tend to give you a little bit of a white sheen on your body. And there are some that are better than others. I still haven't found my favorite ones yet. But I, I really try to avoid using sunblock, to be honest with you. I- this is my strategy. I go in the shade. I go in the sun. I go in the shade. I go in the sun. I'm very good at looking at and feeling and smelling. Actually, I can smell it. I can smell the ozone on my skin. And when I start to get a little bit pink and I start to feel a very certain sensation, it's time for me to get out. And the other day I was outside with some friends and she said, your shoulders are pinking up. And I was like, yep, I know. Like I was right at that done point. And I said, I've got about five more minutes and I'll be fine. So you have to get to know your skin and what it can do. And When the pandemic started, I was sharing this information out on Instagram and people were starting to go out the sun for the first time in their lives or maybe in decades. They had been hiding from the sun and I was like, go get as tan as humanly possible because vitamin D levels, low vitamin D levels are correlated with poor outcomes with COVID and every other virus, by the way. So this wasn't like new news to us. (laughs) It was like, duh, get your vitamin D status up for winter. That's what I always do. So these folks were... Letting me know in the dozens, hundreds of people actually were saying, you know, since I started eating better per your recommendation, I'm able to tan now. I've never been able to tan or I haven't been able to tan in years. But as their stress was handled, well, of course, it's hard not to be stressed out at the beginning of a pandemic or any time during any of this, but as they were actively trying to mitigate their stress through meditation and breath work as they were improving their antioxidant load in their foods, as they were cutting the seed oils out, cutting the shitty fats out, eating, uh, you know, cutting the refined carbohydrates out, eating more healthy sources of healthy fats and proteins and lots of delicious berries and brightly colored fruits and vegetables, Um, they were able to start tanning. And I got tons of messages from people about this, so I know it's possible. Again, talk to your doctor. I'm not giving you advice. I don't want you to walk down the line and be like, oh my gosh, I got skin cancer, it's Tina's fault. I'm just giving you information from lots of people and their feedback. This episode of the Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. A daily necessity for anyone who wants optimal brain performance to enjoy improved executive function, clarity, and concentration, my vital brain with Magteen is the obvious choice. Magteen is a patented form of magnesium threonate, the only form of magnesium proven in animal studies to cross the blood-brain barrier. Boosting the brain's magnesium levels is vital to healthy cognition, which includes long and short-term memory, learning, stress management, and even sleep. Vital Brain comes in a delicious lemon lime flavor that easily mixes into water or your morning smoothie, and it does not impact your bowels like other forms of magnesium can. It gets into your brain where it's needed. Less pills, improved absorption. Magtein has been shown in studies to raise. Brain levels of magnesium, which impacts brain synapses directly. Unlike other brain products on the market that work via brain stimulation, often overstimulation, Magteen works via a completely different mechanism. When brain magnesium levels are not optimal, synapse function deteriorates. By delivering magnesium into the synapses, Vital Brain helps brain cells stay healthy without being overactivated. Consequently, brain cells respond to signals with clarity and robustness. While I can't make specific health claims, tell you how to dose, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how these supplements work. As always, check with your health provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of the Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off Vital Brain by using the code VITALBRAIN10 in all capital letters over inside my store at store.drtina.com. I use this product every morning, and it significantly improves my productivity throughout the day. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code VITALBRAIN10, all capital letters, for 10% off. We have lots of sunblock studies out now. Lots and lots of sunblock studies. So I would encourage you, I'm not gonna get into them. I would encourage you to go Google the outcomes of chemical sunscreens. Get to know what they are so that you can read them on labels. Avobenzone, oxybenzone, these are things that you're going to find even in the more natural looking products. You're going to see like products that say natural for babies and you turn it over and there's oxybenzone or avobenzone. So get to know what these ingredients are. Do some research about what they are being shown to do in the medical literature so that you are armed with information before you start smearing this stuff all over yourself or your babies or your children. And again, remember, the sunblocks that came out in the 80s only blocked UVB. They finally figured it out and they did start blocking UVA. But again, it's all kind of a chemical shitstorm. So I do think also using cover-ups, hats, long sleeves, um, any kind of... They make specialty clothing that has sunblock kind of built in and not a chemical sunblock, but, you know, it's mechanical because it's through the clothing. And I think that having... Always having a wrap around, some kind of wrap that you can wrap, especially if you're a woman, wrap your arms, wrap, put it on your head, having a hat, making sure you get your ears, the back of your neck. If, if I do put on sunscreen, it's my face, my lips, my ears, the back of my neck, and my chest and I'll find something that's natural. And I don't have a favorite. Everybody always asks, what's my favorite? I try so many. Whichever one doesn't make me break out. <laughs> whichever one doesn't leave a white sheen. It just kind of depends on what I have around. Sometimes if I'm gonna be sweating a lot, I'll use something different. If I'm gonna be just laying by a pool looking beautiful and I have lots of access to shade, I might use more of like a mineral powder sunscreen. So I really don't have a favorite. It depends on, are you gonna be out on the water? Are you gonna be hiking on the trail? How much shade access are you gonna have? Have? Do you have a hat? You know, I use all different kinds. Also, the same time that skin cancer rates were skyrocketing, the obesity rates were concurrently skyrocketing, as were the rates of cardiovascular disease and all types of cancers, right? And all types of chronic degenerative illnesses. So I don't really think it's fair to blame the sun. I think when people are sick and they're sickly and they're eating like crap and they're you know, I mean, your average American is a complete hot mess. Children, adults, older, it doesn't matter. Every single age group in this country. Typically, the bulk of them are a hot mess. If you were to run their blood, you'd be finding tons of kids with glimmers or frank onset of adult diseases, chronic diseases. Most adults are living with chronic degenerative illnesses and they're blaming it. I call them chronic lifestyle diseases because they are 100% lifestyle induced and 100% lifestyle will reverse them, but they don't want to hear it, right? That's what this podcast is all about, is trying to shed light on that information, But remember, no UVB means no protective tan and no protective vitamin D. Here's the caveat, chicken and egg. The vitamin D actually helps you not get skin cancer. (laughs) Isn't that the oxymoron of the century, right? So we need the D to keep all types of cancer at bay and all types of infections at bay, but... We were blocking the UVB with toxic sunblock, keeping the D low. It's just a mess, right? And we end up with lots of melanoma, lots of UVA exposure, and lots of high rates of skin cancer. And this went on for decades as melanoma rates steadily and concurrently rose while doctors everywhere were telling us to stay out of the sun and slather on all of these toxic sunscreens. It's crazy. It's like basically people were dying like vampires. And imagine what the low... I mean... That's a topic for another day, but just the myriad of diseases that come from low vitamin D status. And I don't think pounding oral vitamin D is the answer. I do, I do, I do supplement with vitamin D and I do, I sell it. I mean, I think vitamin D is an important asset to your health arsenal, but it's something I do in the winter and in the summer. I really try to get as tan as humanly possible. And again, is it aging my skin? Yes. Is it. Causing some sunspots. Yes, uh, I have lots of atypical nevi, which are funny little moles that like to turn into melanoma. So I'm always checking myself. I mean, I am literally, my daughter tells me I look like a tortilla with all my speckles, (laughs) but I am very cognizant of my skin. I have my husband check it regularly, make sure nothing's changing. And, you know, I do my best. So again, I don't have all the answers. I'm telling you just how I do it. But it's been a long, sort of journey. And I've, I've, acquired lots of knowledge around it and that knowledge has been verified even down to the photosynthesizing of the mitochondria. That has been shown up in the literature as well since I was running around screaming about it like a lunatic. Well, I looked like a lunatic I think to many of my colleagues as I shared these hypotheses with them. But I think that we are really looking at the sun is invoking mitochondrial health and optimal wellness and so we need it. It's not just about the vitamin D and the suntan. It's about all these other spectrums of light that come from the sun and the circadian timing of when the sun is in the sky. And there's just lots to it, but going out in the sun a few times a day, I think is so critical. And getting adequate sun exposure to as much of your skin as possible is really important. And so an easy way to do that is just go for a midday walk, right? You're not going to be out there forever, but if especially if you're working in an office, wear a tank top underneath and maybe some shorts and go out for a brisk 20-minute walk. It's going to do your blood sugar lots of favors. It's going to do your psyche lots of favors, but it's going to get you that midday sun. And of course, we can only do that when the sun is in season. In Oregon, we get sun for like three months and then it's out, so... Here's some vitamin D benefits. So, again, it's not just about the vitamin D, but here's some specific vitamin D benefits. It is, again, made from the UV rays, UVB hitting your skin the cholesterol on your skin turns to you, to vitamin D. You don't want to go wash that off really fast. If you are have been out in the sun and you've gotten some good sun exposure, don't come in and wash off. You want to wait a few hours so that that synthesis of vitamin D can occur because it turns into a preform. It's a hormone. Vitamin D is a hormone because cholesterol is the precursor to, to your sex hormones. So UVB hits the cholesterol on your skin, turns it into a pre-form of vitamin D, which eventually gets synthesized into the active form of vitamin D in your body. You've got to have cofactors in there, you've got to have magnesium on board and some other things, and then you get your vitamin D synthesis. If you are highly inflamed or you have a lot of obesity, that's going to be more challenging for your body. And so that, those, that group of people can have low vitamin D status no matter how much vitamin D they are eating or how much sun they're getting because the inflammation and the obesity blocks the conversion to some degree. So supplementing it is not the same as getting it from the sun. Adequate vitamin D levels, Might allow you to tolerate the sun better. There's been some speculation. I don't have any hard data on that, but that's something that I remember being thrown around at different conferences that those with adequate vitamin D levels actually can tan better and tolerate the sun better and vice versa. Vitamin D leads to increased strength. Muscle strength. They've done studies on the elderly and just given them low doses of vitamin D and watched their strength skyrocket. It leads to improved bone health, of course which helps the elderly have less hip fractures. So even I think 800 milligrams of vitamin D, I've seen that thrown around in different studies, just a low dose, 800 milligrams. You know, I'm normally dosing people in the thousands, but they are doing just low doses and they're getting improvement in avoiding hip fractures, improved testosterone production. This is a big one. And this is one of the many reasons I think when we go out in the sun, you'll start to see people's muscles look better. It also... Helps your water structure. So there's fourth phase water, which I talk about on a prior episode with Dr. Stephen Hussey. And well, he describes it and it's mind-blowing. Go back and listen to that episode. But he talks about how structured water is so important for so many aspects of our health, including our cardiovascular health and how that has everything to do with far infrared. Um, Muscle mass hormones, immune function, stem cells, your stem cells actually work better and are less inclined to become senescent or quiescent in the face of vitamin D. Low vitamin D levels have been implicated not only in lower survival and rates, uh, for lowered survival rates of melanoma. So that's that chicken and egg part again. You have low vitamin D levels, you have higher risk of dying of melanoma, but you go out in the sun and are you increasing your risk for melanoma? Again, this is why I'm throwing all this info at you. But also an increased rate for other types of cancer that are internal, like I mentioned, colon, breast, prostate. These are not cancers you want. Those are cancers that often have uh, pretty severe outcomes. So some tanning tips, if you will. Check with your doctor. If you're super pale and you've never been out in the sun before and there's just no chance that you're ever going to tan, this might not be for you. But if you're somebody who tends to have a color of skin that tends to tan decently, then this might be helpful. But this is not advice. This is just how I do it. This is the safe way to do it if you're going to go out in the sun. If you are darker skinned, you're going to have a harder time making vitamin D. Folks who are of African descent to a black skin, brown skin, darker skin tones have notoriously lower vitamin D levels because they have such... Extre- that's the melanocytes, right? They have a lot. They have such extreme melanocyte activity that it creates natural... That's your natural skin. Uh, that's your natural sunscreen is your melanocytes. Your tan is your natural sunscreen. That's why people kind of get to a point where they get super tan and they don't get any tanner. They're at full melanocyte activity. So. Be cognizant of that if you are of different skin tones because you're going to have potentially maybe more need for sun than you would if you were a fair-skinned person. So fair-skinned folks are going to need less sun than darker skin folks. The minimum reddening dose, you've maybe heard this term, the minimum reddening dose. That's what I was talking about. It's right when I pink up. I just feel myself pink up and I'm like, okay, time to get out. Now, I might go back out that day. I might go back out a little bit later, but I'm going to get out of the sun this minute I feel that reddening happen, that little pinking up. Listen to your skin. You'll feel it. You'll literally maybe even feel it start to singe a little. Get out of the sun. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is the best sun for UVB. And remember, early sun and later sun is high in UVA. So going out at 5 or 6 p.m. and sitting out there in the evening, talking to your friends, you're getting hit with a lot of UVA. That might be worth covering up. People think, oh, well, it's not, the sun's not high in the sky, I'm not going to get burned. Actually, you're getting dosed with a lot of UVA. I will add this too, drinking alcohol in the sun has been shown to increase oxidation of the skin cells. So it's a little bit of a tongue twister there. So if you are drinking booze in the high sun in the middle of the day on the river, you're asking for it. This is, again, a big problem. People say, oh, it's the sun exposure. Maybe it was just because every time that person goes out in the sun, they're drinking alcohol because they're, you know, this is like in lake culture and river culture and even beach culture. I've seen it, right? It's like load up the cooler with beers and go out on the boat all day or go out on the river all day in your inner tubes and drink the booze as you float down the river. But... You're also asking for it when you do that because you're really putting yourself in a pro-oxidative state. If you're eating junk food, chips, I mean, what do we do, right? (laughs) This is what every American does, at least. Drink in the sun, eat chips in the sun, eat garbage in the sun. You should be eating watermelon, nutritious Fruits that are high in pigments like blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, getting you know pomegranate juice, lots of dark chocolate, lots of high antioxidant foods when you're having sun exposure or just after sun exposure. Green tea, I think, is a wonderful one. Lots of delicious antioxidant foods that you could be eating when you are sunning yourself. And then for people just getting started, I would say go out for three minutes or seven minutes or 10 minutes just get a little exposure and that might be all that you can tolerate and then go back inside. this is a this is a sort of uh, it's like strength training. you got to ease into it. We got to just do little incremental doses to get ourselves and get our skin accepting the sun. Of course follow again with an antioxidant snack always slow and low we're tanning for our health we are not tanning to get tan. We are tanning for our health so we're just getting that minimal dose to feel good. You should track your vitamin D levels. I highly encourage it. The only way to do that is through blood. And I think it's very important, especially if you're dosing with it orally or you're assuming you're getting everything you need from the sun. I have I can't tell you how many smart doctors have told me this, this myth, which is I have no idea where they heard this or why they believe it. They literally think that they're getting enough sun by their eyes seeing the sun. Someone told them somewhere that they create vitamin D simply through exposure by your eyes, which is nonsense. It is the UVB hitting the cholesterol on your skin turning to vitamin D, that is how you make vitamin D. But they are correct, they are partially correct in that your eyes need to see the sun and the different rays of the sun to get your melanocytes working optimally. So I'm not a big fan of sunglasses for this reason. I'm a fan of going, and I have very fair green eyes. And am I worried about eye cancer? Not really, but I suppose, I mean, shoot, any cancer could show up for that matter, right? But I do know that, if I don't if I go out with sunglasses on, my opportunity to tan goes way down. So my ability to tan is contingent on my eyes receiving the light from the sun. Now, I don't go out on water and not wear sunglasses and let the reflection beat off into my eyes, but I'm mostly on the farm. I'm not having a lot of reflective surfaces. So if you, you know, you have to do what you need to do for whatever sport you're doing or whatever sun exposure you're having. So it's not a blanket statement like don't wear sunglasses, but For those of you wearing sunglasses constantly, that's probably a sign that your adrenal glands are tanked out and it's because your pupillary reflex isn't working because your adrenals are shot. You might want to consider some adrenal support. I have a nice one in my product line called Resilience. I love it. It's a great product to get your adrenals on board and that might help, but we want to have some exposure to light through our eyes. We don't want to wear sunglasses all the time or we won't tan as well. Remember there's minimal reddening dose and then there's maximum skin exposure. When you've had enough sun, get out of the sun. And sometimes I have gone out on vacation depending on what part of the world I'm in and depending on how high the sun is in the sky and I might just have 20 minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm done for the day. And my husband's like, well, we just got out here. And I'm like, I'm done for the day. I'm gonna be sitting under this umbrella because I know I've had my maximal skin exposure. I'm good. And I listen to my body. So don't overdo it. Please don't get yourself burned. I've had so many horrific sunburns that I, terrible, terrible stuff. Don't wash your tan off, like I said, (laughs) meaning don't go wash off all that beautiful vitamin D you just synthesized. There is a time of month when it comes to melasma. Some of you ladies have asked me well, what about melasma? Yes, melasma is going to creep up. It's kind of a darkening of the pigment around it's on the face. It'll often show up sometimes on the chest, and it's frustrating. I've had it. It'll show up on the upper lip. I had it pretty bad after I had my first daughter. I'll tell you what melasma is. It is a hormonal imbalance and it is a blood sugar imbalance. So if you're getting melasma, your blood sugar's off to some degree. Now, you might be thin and lean and not think you have a single blood sugar issue to worry about, but I'm telling you, you probably do. I, in that case, I would build more muscle. But something is throwing off your hormones and usually if the estrogen is higher, is what I don't hold me on this, but I have seen at the time in patients, the time of month when the estrogen is higher in the cycle and they go in the sun, that's when their melasma tends to be most aggravating. But that is anecdotal. I don't have any hard studies on that, and I haven't looked it up, but I'm just sharing with you what I've seen clinically. There is an app that I love called DMinder. I'll put it in the show notes. DMinder. and it's an app that you can put on your phone, and you tell it where you live, like the longitude and latitude of where you live. And when you go outside, you turn it on, and it'll tell you, depending on how much clothing you have on, so say you're like in a tank top and shorts, you can put that in, and it'll tell you based off your time out there and where what time of day it is. It'll tell you your optimal time of day to get UVB and it'll tell you how much vitamin D you've probably synthesized. And it's not exact, but it's pretty cool. And you can also get your blood ran right through your doctor, get your vitamin D levels tested, or you can order tests online to do that. And then you can put in your vitamin D levels and it'll tell you theoretically what your vitamin D levels should be doing. So that's pretty cool. A lot of people like that app when I've mentioned it in the past. So Dminder, really cool app. It'll help you. It'll also tell you when you've had enough, get out of the sun. And then there are latitudes where we can't even get vitamin D production. So I'm in Oregon, I'm in Portland or south of Portland, but after like September, I can't even, we can't even make vitamin D up here. So do I go outside in the winter? Yes, because light is healing and I'm just trying to look for the healing benefits of light, but there's gonna be no vitamin D synthesis and there's probably gonna be no tanning after September and before May, So I've got from like May to September-ish. And my D-Minder app tells me. But people say, oh, well, if I just go out and expose myself, I'm like, you know, we're not even at the longitude where you can get a tan. (laughs) Now, you might be getting hit with some UVA, which is causing the melanocytes. Maybe you have active melanocytes and they might pop. So I've seen this with folks who go skiing and snowboarding. Um, But we are really not at a great longitude to be making vitamin D production, Do not confuse your tan with vitamin D production. And again, don't forget the adrenal fatigue part. If you've got some adrenal issues going on, you will want to wear sunglasses because you feel like a vampire and you can't handle sun exposure and you can't handle it in your eyes. And that's a whole other thing, but you're going to have a hard time tanning. And you might want to consider some uh, adrenal support there. So that is the quick and dirty on safe sunning. I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to make sure that. You had all the information before summer is over because I think that having your vitamin D levels as we walk into fall and winter are going to be so absolutely critical and you're going to want to make sure that you keep yourself safe, but also find some mechanical sunblocks that are reef safe, that are not super nanoparticleized, that are going to be able to give you a little help when you need it. Make sure you have a hat, make sure you have a wrap or some kind of shirt to cover yourself up and make sure you're covering up the most sensitive areas that are more prone to Exposure. Oh, the left arm is another one because we drive around and the left side of our face and our left arm gets lots of sun exposure. Well, I guess it depends if you're constantly the driver, or constantly the passenger, but keep that into account. I actually keep a little wrap in my glove box so that I can just cover myself when my husband's driving. If we're driving long distances and the sun's beating and I make sure I can cover myself up. But don't be spraying these chemical sunscreens all over yourself or your kids. Please make sure that you are getting a few doses during the day. I think having a couple walks during the middle of the day is not only just exceptionally beneficial for your health, but also getting you the adequate vitamin D exposure that you need. And then make sure that your diet is stellar because what you eat matters when it comes to sun exposure. We have studies now showing that seed oils are contributing to issues with the skin. I'm not going to include everything in here because it's a long, long, long list. I want to make sure you guys go out and actually start doing some research on this. But I hope this was super helpful. Remember... Adequate sun exposure for various reasons helps you lower your blood pressure, it it helps you improve your mood, it helps decrease depression, it helps pain, it helps with autoimmune disease, it helps your mitochondria photosynthesize, it improves your sleep, it definitely improves your immune function and helps you battle the upper respiratory viruses that are coming. It helps you with weight and metabolic health and it makes your brains work better. So we will see you next time. Thank you so much. As always, if you liked this show or this episode, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. And also let us know what you'd like to hear more about. You can email us at podcast at drtina.com. And that'll be it for me. We'll see you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drtina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and drtina2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.